Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What do those words mean to you? To me, they say, thank you, America, for your strength, for your courage, and for our freedom, which has been a beacon to the world for 200 years. Of the United States of America. Whose bright stars are 50 states, each bearing its own stamp of individuality. People, 200 million strong. People who have come to earth from all corners of the earth. A land of laws is an ingenious system of checks and balances that allows no man to become a tyrant and lets no group prevail if their power is not tempered with a real concern for the government. A land where the right of dissent and free speech is jealously guarded, where the ballot box is the sword people, it's real. One nation under God. A land where freedom of worship is a cornerstone of her being. A land graced with temples and churches, synagogues and altars that rise in profusion to embrace all the religions of the world. Indivisible. A land forged by the hot steel of raw courage, conformed forever by the awful crucible. Civil War. Where man in pursuit of an honest life will not be denied his chance. Where her citizens move freely within her vast borders without hindrance or fear. A land brimming with opportunity. Where freedom of choice is the guideline for all. And justice. The courts of our land are open to all. Its wheels of justice grind for all causes. All people. They look to every avenue for justice, every concern of the law, and they temper their reasoning with mercy for all.
profession for a number of years and, and being called to the ministry a little over 20 years ago. So I began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I realized that my faith and my politics did not line up. The things that I preached on Sunday were not reflected in the ballot box that I cast on Tuesdays. And for me to live with myself, for me to be a man of integrity and honesty, for me for me to sleep at night, for me to look at myself in the mirror, I had to reevaluate what I believed politically if I was going to continue to preach what I preached. On Sundays, I preached that abortion was wrong. On Sundays, I preached against the gay agenda. On Sundays, I sure enough preached against same-sex marriages. Uh, I, I decided to do something that was uncomfortable Years ago, I decided to politically come out of the closet, and uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I realized that my core values and my core beliefs, uh, lining up theologically and spiritually and biblically, was more in line with the conservative view and the Republican Party. Uh, I don't think that the Republican Party is the perfect place, but it's certainly a better place for us. And uh, I now uh, champion conservative values, and I teach conservative values, and I believe with all of my heart that it is in line with the Bible and the Lord Jesus, who is the captain of my life. Uh, what would you tell another African-American if they ask you, why are you a Republican? Angela? Well, I would start by saying that um, being a Christian, God wants us to be prosperous. God wants us to know who we are and whose we are and that we belong to him. And looking at our community today in the inner city, where you have 7 out of 10 black babies being born out of wedlock and 75% of them live under the poverty line, when you look at our education school system, when you look at the fact that liberals are for killing our babies. They're not for us keeping our babies. They, if you look at the metropolitan area in, in the inner cities, you have a Planned Parenthood on every corner. They, they want us to do that. So in essence, I would talk about policy, the things that Republicans have done in Congress for us, and then also, y'all, we don't know who we are if we don't know our history. And the bottom line is this. After Reconstruction, 22 of the black members that were elected, the first black caucus, all of them were Republicans. And it wasn't the Republicans that oppressed us during the Civil Rights Movement, 
during FDR's time, during Woodrow Wilson's time, it was the Democrats. So I think, Carol, when, when I'm asked those questions, I think when you come with factual information of who we are and what we've done and what Republicans have done for us, people take a second look. And that's why I wrote Bamboozled, because we've been bamboozled. I, you know, I, I try and simply explain to them that uh, you know, if, if, if you're going to be involved in the process today and you've got to pick a side, you pick the side that best aligns with what you believe and, and where you want to go. Uh, and for me, that has been the Republican Party. Um, I teach my kids who are 9 and 11. Uh, we have a little family motto. I say, responsibility is freedom, and freedom is a responsibility. Uh, in Tavis Smiley's book, Covenant with American, there's a line in there. He says, we have to stop talking about our pain and start talking about our plan. And for me, the Republican Party has always been about a plan. We can't always take a hand out and a crutch and take the easy way. I believe in my heart the Republican Party has always been about good dreams and good tools to make those dreams come true so you can stand up your own, on your own. And, and the last thing I will say is, is that as an African-American, that when we have this kind of success, it is important to reach back and bring others up. But from the time we try to recruit and ask others to join in our party, it's like, what are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? And the bar is always set so high. So to our panelists, I want to address that, that issue. Uh, why is the bar set so high for us, and uh, how can we address that? I have some real discomfort, I guess, with, with part of the question, or at least what I think the implication is. Because I think you join parties because you believe in, and you share the values of that party. You don't join the party because you think if you want to be an elected official, it has the shortest line. Mm -hmm. Or because if you do so, that, um, that, 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 that it's going to be easier for you to get contracts. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not, in my mind, why you join a political party. You join a political party because you're trying to make a choice about what is in the best interest for your family and your community. And you're looking at a policy structure and a policy prescription structure, and you're saying, I believe that those principles can advance and uplift my family, my community, more so than any other. But social conservatives obviously believe that there is a God and all rights come from him. Uh, social conservatives are obviously going to be the people that are going to be the strongest on issues of faith, going to be the strongest on issues of life. You know, liberals, obviously, on the other hand, are folks who, quite frankly, have a, have a notion that anything goes and there are no absolutes. Uh, you know, you make your decision about how you want to live your life because you set out the plan. It's not a plan that came from your God. If I had to capsule it, I would probably say liberals say give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Conservatives say teach a man how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And so, uh, and one of the challenges I've been doing for 20 years is ask my parishioners to read the different platforms, the two platforms, without knowing which one it was, and then you sign at the bottom which one you mostly identify with. Almost 90% of us believe in the Republican platform, but we vote 90%. Now, folks, I'm, I'm kind of, you know... That's, that's just kind of insane, you know, and, and so we have to kind of engage people in critical thinking uh, on these areas, and one of the challenges is they got to believe that we're still black. How do you feel about these issues and what we do and move that forward? Uh, but I believe that they have, have to have a vision that includes getting to the root causes of the problems 
as opposed to treating them as superficial wounds and putting band-aids on them. Uh, we talk about crime and drugs in our community and the impact, gang violence. I think those are the things that are the manifestations of poor education systems in our urban areas, lack of hope, no job opportunities, and we've got to get down and dig to the root cause. I don't think these are easy fixes, but if we don't start fixing them now, there will be no hope tomorrow. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. And, uh, well, today's date, wow, time is really flying. It is May 10th already. Beautiful Old Town Alexandria, 2012. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I'm your host, once again, Dr. C. Robert Jones. So many folks these days have been asking me, why do you bash Obama? Why do you have no respect for the first African-American president? Show him some respect. And in the same breath, they'll say, that dumb so-and-so and so, George Bush, he couldn't even speak right. He, he was just dumb. He was a C student at, at Yale. He was a C student at Harvard Business School. They don't even listen to themselves. When I point out that, well, you know, at least we know what, what grades uh, Bush got. Uh, Obama had his record sealed. There's no response to that. At least George Bush was able to get into Harvard and Yale. Well... They'll say, well, he only got in the screws through connections with his father. Well, George Bush was um, governor for eight years in the second largest state in the nation. Former fighter pilot. Owned his own business. Owned the Texas Rangers. Was president for eight years. Oh, but he's still dumb. He's still the dumbest man around. He can't speak. He, he's just dumb. And they forget that he's a Texan. Texans mostly speak plain. I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic. Remember President Johnson spoke just as plain as uh, George Bush, but the difference between the two is Johnson was a Democrat and roughly credited with a lot of the civil, civil rights uh, uh, laws put into play. But the question always comes back to this. Why are you a Republican? The Republicans aren't doing anything for black folks. You don't know your history. I had one person tell me, you've got to learn your history. Yeah. They suggested that I am a Republican because I have lost my way. That I don't understand history. That I don't understand my history. My history as a black person... I don't appreciate all the things that the Democrats have done for me, and so on. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at that. For the hour that we have, we're going to take a look at all of that, at least for the hour. And if we need more time, we'll come back tomorrow. And if we need more time after that, we'll come back the next day. Why are you a Republican black man? 
That's the question that I'm asked all the time. The Democrats. It seems to me that most black folks who are Democrats right now don't know their history. Black folks who are Democrats now don't know the history of the Democrat Party. Instead of asking me or telling me that I don't know my history, perhaps we need to take a look at Democrat history. Try to figure out where we are and where we've come from. Because remember, the Republican Party was started with the sole purpose And you take what I'm about to say as if it came from your own daddy. The Republican Party was started for the sole purpose of eliminating slavery. And black people don't need a handout. Let's talk about, first let's kick it off with great moments in Democrat racist history. We'll start it off right there, and then we'll take it from there. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Let's kick it off. Maybe we'll learn something together. Public service to the human race. The Black Sphere presents Great Moments in Democrat Racist History. That racist Democrat, FDR, passed the torch to Harry S. Truman a mild-mannered haberdasher from Missouri. For you liberals, haberdasher is a person who sells clothes. We are taught that Truman saved thousands of American soldiers' lives when he ordered the dropping of two atomic bombs on Japanese citizens. Historians now know that Truman was given the news that Japan was ready to surrender after the first atomic bomb. However, Truman decided that he needed to drop the second bomb in order to show the Soviets that America indeed had more than one bomb and to keep the Soviets intimidated. Some may argue with this tactic since it cost over 80,000 Japanese lives. And these were the lives of non-combatants as the liberals would be quick to point out that Truman's been a Republican. Had Truman been a Republican and knowing what we know today, liberals would likely want to prosecute him for war crimes. At the very least, he would have been accused of being a racist, hell-bent on killing innocent Japanese in the unleashing of the second atomic bomb on Japan. But that would be a ridiculous thought given that Truman was a Democrat. A Democrat couldn't be a racist, or could he? Harry Truman was a member of the Missouri KKK. That Democrat organization started in 1865. Truman, like most racist Democrats, saw the Klan as a necessary rite of passage to get through the ranks of the Democrat Party. It's what you know. Now deal with it. Tune in next time for another edition of Great Moments in Democrat Racist History. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Now you've got a little bit of the history of the Democrat Party. So many of our black brothers and sisters are in love with being a Democrat. They're in love with being represented represented, represented by Democrats. Are you a liberal? You ask some black folks, yeah, I'm a liberal. Yeah, I'm a Democrat. You were raised in a Democrat household? Yeah, we're all Democrats. Proud of it. 
Well, let's examine that. Because all week long, I've been hearing about being a Republican. Why are you a Republican? What's that all about? You're a sellout. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing it. Every crystal bomb elected that I'm for being a conservative. Well, tonight we're going to talk about it all. If I'm a sellout, one of your biggest stars, black folks, is a sellout. His name is Denzel Washington. You ever hear of him? He's a Republican. A Republican. Why do you think that you don't ever hear Denzel out saying something really stupid like, oh, Obama's going to do some gangster shit like uh, Chris Rock? Is it because Chris Rock has no class and basically he's just a ghetto hood rat who made it big? Or could it be that Denzel, being a Republican, a conservative just like me, has class? And he doesn't get out there saying really stupid, wild, crazy things. Could that be it? Let's examine blacks' loyalty to Democrats. Why are blacks loyal to Democrats? Let's find out. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Sit Rep. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. ...on the relationship between blacks, Democrats, and the Republican Party. Videos like Begin Deprogramming, where I examine that often asked question... Why is it that the majority of the black community consistently votes Democrat? What's funny is that you kind of have to scratch your head and wonder, why is it that the majority of the black community votes Democrat? But back in the day when the majority of the black community voted Republican, it was pretty clear why. Actually, that's not entirely true. If you were wondering why blacks voted for Republicans, it was because you were wondering if they had a death wish. Am I lying? Man, you ain't got to look that far today to see the hostility that will come your way if you're black and you dare to be a Republican. And just a few decades ago, that hostility came along with lynchings. Now, people have been led to believe that these lynchings were done by a bunch of crazy rednecks running around in white sheets because that's the American way. But y'all, it wasn't the American way. It was the Democrat way. The Ku Klux Klan was the terrorist fraternity founded by the Democrat Party. And their message was simple. Vote or die. And when you vote, you make sure it's for Democrats. Now, who is it that was carrying on that vote or die message? Oh, yeah, Diddy. Now, do you think that whole vote-or-die, rock-the-vote campaign is propaganda for you to vote Republican? No, it's for you to vote Democrat. The Klan wanted white voters to vote Democrat. They didn't want black folks to vote at all. But if black people were going to vote, they wanted them to vote Democrat, too. And you can be sure that the Klan has some choice words for black people who voted Republican. Why don't you learn this stuff in public school? Because the public school system is run by the Democrat Party and the unions. But what the scratch and sniff happened, man? The Democrat Party has been the pro-slavery party, the pro-segregation party, the anti-civil rights party, but the majority of the black community votes Democrat. Now, some will say it's because Martin Luther King gave his endorsement to Democrat John F. Kennedy. This supposedly happened after Robert Kennedy made a few phone calls to get Martin Luther King released from jail. But that same Robert Kennedy that made a few phone calls to get Martin Luther King released from jail is the same Robert Kennedy that gave the okie-dokie to J. Edgar Hoover to tap Martin Luther King's phone. They wanted to catch Martin Luther King engaging in dialogue that was favorable to communism. They didn't like Martin Luther King. Know why? Because he was a Republican. And actually, man, as far as I know, he never did endorse John F. Kennedy because Martin Luther King was a church pastor who stood by the principle of not endorsing candidates. Martin Luther King offered his thanks to the Kennedys. I don't think he offered an endorsement. 
But there's Martin Luther King Sr., who was also a Republican. He knew that the Democrats were not friends of the black community, and that included the Kennedys. Why would Martin Luther King endorse John F. Kennedy? Allow me to speculate. Could it be that Martin Luther King Sr. also got a phone call? A phone call that might have gone something like, uh, look here, you want a safe and speedy release of your son from jail? How about a friendly nod for Kennedy in exchange? Not to mention, while John F. Kennedy was a senator, he opposed the civil rights bill that was being advanced by the Republican president, Eisenhower. Now, like Republicans, Democrats like the Kennedys back then didn't like communism, and Southern Democrats really hated communism. But let's clear this up, though. Hating communism does not make you a capitalist, and it does not make you a conservative. Adolf Hitler hated communism, too, but that didn't make him a capitalist or a conservative. I have to point this stuff out because the Democrats know that they're being exposed, so they've been going around and changing some things. So when you go out and research and Google this stuff, you're going to find that the word Democrat is being replaced by the word conservative, especially when you go research them Southern Democrats or Dixiecrats, as they call them. They're changing the language, y'all. That's how they do. You know, kind of like the term global warming is being replaced by the term climate change. They got their foot ankle deep in their mouth on that one, and they're sore losers about it, man. And sore losers are always trying to change the game. But more and more, people are starting to call Democrats out on this stuff. What you mean, global warming, man? It's actually been kind of cool. Well, you see, our earth raping is causing our earth mother to be depressed, and her depression is manifesting as changing climates. No, 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 my green friend. The fact that the Earth has two poles doesn't make her bipolar, per se, like you. Those changes in the climates are called seasons and normal warming and cooling periods. The rest of us know that. Why, why, why don't y'all know that? Anyway, the Democrats were seeing that more and more the rest of the country wasn't really riding on the hateful frequency of the Southern Democrats. Now, I reckon the Democrat Harry Truman knew that. He was also a member of the Ku Klux Klan. He just didn't attend their slumber parties. At least that's what he says. But if Truman wanted to be president, he was going to have to show that he was in tune with the rest of the country. He was going to have to show that he was hip, he was cool, you know, denying civil rights to blacks is for squares, man. So he throws down with things like signing an executive order to end segregation in the military and to end discrimination in federal employment. That made him look a little better to the rest of the country, and it made Democrats look a little better to black people. But to his racist homies in the South, he's like, now don't y'all go thinking I'm expecting you to enforce all this civil rights crap. That's where Eisenhower comes in. He's the one who actually put into action what Truman only put on paper. Eisenhower moved to desegregate schools and the military. And if he had any reservations about desegregating schools, it was because he felt it was an issue that needed to be resolved on state levels. But Eisenhower did see that these people were being jerks and that their laws conflicted with the supreme law of the land. That's why there's that instance of Eisenhower sending in military support to make sure that black kids could go to school. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. I think you kind of get the picture here. Where did where did where did we get to the point where black folks embrace the Democrat Party? You see, my theory is that blacks embrace the idea of getting something for nothing. Is that most blacks believe that they're owed something because they're Great, great, in some cases great, grandfather was a slave, and he was exploited, and black labor was exploited. And so all these years later, these black folks who live 
like kings compared to slave times, 17, 1800s, live like kings. Kings, I'm telling you, you know it. Compared to their grandfathers, great-grandfathers, hell, even their parents, they live like kings. And yet, somehow they want companies to issue an apology. They want companies to divvy up their profits and put them into trust. They want 40 acres and a mule. They want reparations. They want reparations for deeds that were done to their grandfathers and great-grandfathers, situations they never suffered from. Yeah, back in the 60s, there was still terrible times. But people who are my age, we didn't suffer those times. Most of us were able to get pretty good educations compared to our parents and our parents before them. Most of us are living at least 10 times better than those who came before us. And yet, black folks are still looking for some form of sympathy. Remember when uh, Keeney West, or some folks call him Kanye West, was on some show whining like a little girl after Katrina? What did he say? George Bush don't care about black people. As if George Bush should care, or anybody should care. Why are black folks suffering from this um, insecurity, a lack of security? We still want to be cared for by the white man or by anybody else. Do we still want to be cared for? Quite frankly, I don't give a damn if George Bush... George Bush Sr., Bill Clinton, John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, and certainly the clown we have in office now, I don't give a damn if they care about me. I don't want them to care about me. I want them to leave me alone. Go away. Do your thing. Protect my country. Provide an atmosphere where business can do its thing so I can earn my money, thus live better, have a better quality of life, and go away. Stay in the background. I don't want my president going on the Tonight Show and yucking it up. I don't want my president rapping in the background or delivering a speech while some tonight, some night, uh, nighttime host croons on stupidly. I don't want my president out in the open doing all kinds of weird, crazy shit, degrading the office of the president, every single time he appears on these shows. I want my president to sit in his office and do his thing. And by the way, while my president is doing his thing, shut up. Stay in the background. But now we have a president who's black out there on every show possible, overexposed brilliantly. Whatever happened to presidents like JFK, Eisenhower... Ronald Reagan. Did Ronald Reagan ever appear on The Tonight Show or on MTV? Did he ever Google anybody or tweet? How can you respect a man who puts himself out there day in and day out just acting like some kind of person who's drunk with celebrity? 
How embarrassing is that? And folks say to me, Dr. Jones, why don't you respect the president? You need to respect the office of the presidency. If you don't respect the man, respect the office. And I say to those misguided folk, okay, I get your point. I respect the office. When Mr. Obama starts respecting the office, just the other night, he had Stevie Wonder in the White House singing up a tune or two. When my president starts respecting the office and staying off the Tonight Show and Conan O'Brien and all these other shows and looking like a jackass everywhere he goes, not being able to speak a sentence without a teleprompter somewhere nearby, I'll respect the office. When Mr. Obama starts respecting himself and acting like a grown-ass man, a leader, a world leader, then I respect him and I respect the office. Until that time, I have no respect for Mr. Obama. None, mind you. None. When he starts respecting himself and the office of the president and the average American citizen and, of course, those millionaires and billionaires, then I'll start respecting him and his office. Until that time, Mr. Obama, you earn, you, you, you earn my respect. But I don't think you ever will. And you're running out of time, Mr. President. November is just around the corner, and I have it on good authority that your ass is going to be headed back to Chicago. One-way trip. Or to Hawaii. Or to Nairobi. Or to Kenya. Or wherever the hell you're from. Your time is up. You've had your 15 minutes of fame. And you're done. Shag your ass back to Chicago. And make your millions on the lecture circuit with your teleprompter. Write your books. And go away. Get us somebody in this in the Oval Office, running this country, who's going to do his job and not go on vacation every couple of weeks, golfing every other day, and on The Tonight Show and everywhere else, instead of actually doing his job. Americans are suffering all over this country while you hang out, golf, do The Tonight Show, have Stevie Wonder sing some tunes for you, and jack yourself off. What a clown. And while your wife tells everybody else that we should eat healthier, that we should eat less food, we should have less salt, less sugar, her big ass and you are chowing down. Every time I see a picture of you with some ice cream cone or some cookies or some tasty treat, or a slab of ribs sitting in front of your wife. She's got a slab of ribs. You're eating some fried chicken, some barbecued chicken. You got a big-ass foot-long hot dog, damn kielbasa in front of you, with a, with a plate of fries. And you're eating like a pig. And you're telling me that I need to eat less. I know you're skinny. You probably got a nice metabolism going on. You, you don't put on a lot of weight. That's cool. Your wife's putting it all on for you. She's getting big as a house because she's chowing down, hey, on my dime. You too. But you shouldn't be telling me how much food I should eat, how much salt I should intake while you. every time I look, you're stuffing some chow down your face. Some, 
some calorie-laden, uh, cholesterol-laden ribs, steak, pies. You're chowing down, dude. It's not. I'm not. I'm surprised that you're that Mr. Obama that you're not. You know, as big as Chris Christie by now. <sighs> Damn. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back, and then we'll get to our main topic of the night. Oh yeah. All right, you're listening. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Prices going higher and higher. Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton.
house and use it. Go ahead, abuse it. You can do anything. Go out and have a queen. I am the banking queen. You know what? Sometimes I just can't help singing along with that one. The banking queen. You know, the reason why I play that uh, spoof of Barney Frank is because he uh, he was on CNN the other night, and he he said that Obama's not going to be uh, invited to his wedding. Now, as we know, Barney Frank, um, congressman and uh, head of the banking commission, Fannie and Freddie and all that, part of the big part of the, the reason why uh, the housing market fell into the crapper uh, is a serious queen. Quite a few years ago, he had a situation where he had his little boy toy uh, operating a a male uh, brothel out of his apartment. Barney Frank should have been booted for office for that all those years ago, but he managed to survive. Barney Frank is as gay as they come. So apparently, Barney at some point before he checks out, wants to get married to another dude. And apparently, Mr. Obama's not invited. And hence the tune, Banking Queen, in the honor of the ultimate congressional queen, Barney Frank. Hey, not that there's anything wrong with being gay. Because there isn't. Not really. But, um... We only have a we got a short time left, so let's go ahead and get into our main topic. A lot of you black folks out there continually, continuously talking about slavery issues and how the white man put black folks in slavery for four hundred years. 
and how whitey is the root of all evil, and how America is the most evil country in the world. However, the first documented slave owner in the colonies was not Mr. Whitey. It was a black man. Oh yeah, a Negro. In fact, an African who came to this country in indentured servitude. What that means is that he, well, he signed a contract as conditions of coming to the United States. He was sponsored. And to be sponsored, he needed to provide services to a person. He was not a slave. He simply signed a contract to work for a set number of years, and then he was re- when released from that contract, he was able to move on. That's how it went down. But let's really get into it right now. Andre Johnson, Anthony, who was very successful, ambitious, and wealthy. His first farm encompassed 250 acres at a time when most most folks were living in tiny plots. Johnson would eventually own, well, yeah, yeah, a black man. He was an early black resident of the Virginia colony. He was one of the original 20 African laborers brought to Jamestown in 1619 as an indentured servant. Now, on record from Jamestown, he is referred to as Antonio, a Negro. In the 1640s, he purchased his freedom from indentured servitude for both himself and his wife. And by 1651, he was prosperous enough to import five servants of his own, for which he was granted head rights. Does anyone know what head rights are? We'll get into that in a little bit. According to the earliest known court records, slavery was first established in Virginia in 1654. When Johnson convinced the court in Northampton County that he was entitled to the lifetime service of one John Kasor, also a black man, claiming that he had been imported as an indentured service, a servant. Now, Kasor attempted to transfer what he argued was his remaining time of service to Robert Parker, a white man. But Johnson insisted that he had ye Negro for life. Damn. The court ruled that, well, seriously considering the the maturely weighing the premises that said Mr. Robert Parker most unjustly keepeth the said Negro from Anthony Johnson, his master. It is therefore the judgment of the court and ordered that the said John Kasor Negro forthwith return unto the service of the said master Anthony Johnson and that Mr. Robert Parker make payment of all charges in the suit. Now, folks, the unfortunate defender in the court action, John Kasor, thus became the first individual in Virginia known to be legally declared a slave 
by the government. Before this case, legally defined bondage had not yet fully taken hold in Virginia, although it had already been uh, – well, it had already by the 1630s in Massachusetts been in effect. In Virginia, blacks were indentured services upon, up until slavery gradually took effect. So it can be argued that the Anthony Johnson case, Antonio, set the president for future slavery of millions of black folks. It can be argued that Antonio Johnson, the first slave owner within the state of Virginia, was a black man, and he set the tone for future events. So when you Negroes start coming out of the closet talking about whitey's no good, Whitey brought us into slavery. Remember two things, and these are facts, not my opinion. And Anthony Antonio Johnson kicked off slavery in Virginia, a black man. Let it also be said to be true that blacks, Africans, sold other blacks into slavery. By the thousands. So all of this self-pity about being brought into bondage and slavery and all that, if you're looking for reparations, look for those reparations from Anthony Johnson's estate as well. Look for reparations from the entire continent of Africa for selling your black asses into slavery to begin with. Stop begging Whitey, as you call him, for reparations, for something for nothing. Stop blaming everybody else. Get off your butts. Go get a job. Stop looking for a handout, looking for something for nothing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I did have a, a caller on the line. And got so into what I was talking about that I didn't get a chance to get him on. I do apologize for that. Uh, caller, if you're still available, please do call back. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. The situation is clear. Very clear. The President of the United States seems to tell you that you can't make it on your own. That you need help. That you need help from the government. That you can't write your own rules. You can't play by your own rules. You have to play by the government's rules. And that you can't make it without the government. In, in Barack Obama's Osawatomie, Kansas speech, he as much as said so. He said that Republicans want you to be on your own, to fend for yourselves. He said that Republicans want you to play by your own rules. Quite frankly, yes. Yes. If you're a man, a black man, a white man, doesn't matter. You want the opportunity to fend for yourself. We were raised, a lot of us, by our parents, both mom and dad. Some by just dad, some by just mom. But we were raised to do what? 
We were raised to do what? To fend for ourselves. Everything my mom and dad prepared me for was to go out into the world and fend for myself. To be what? Self-reliant. To be what? Resourceful. To make my own way in the world. But our current commander-in-chief, our current president, who has just recently said that the, the military is fighting on his behalf, not on the behalf of the American people or the country, but on his behalf, arrogant little shit that he is. He says that we shouldn't expect Americans shouldn't expect to thin for ourselves. He said that we can't make it on our own. He has said numerous times that nobody makes it on their own without the help of the government. What a jackass. President Obama, you are a jackass. You heard me. I want to fend for myself. I want my children to fend for themselves. I don't want you helping them to do anything. Now, of course, I'm just a man. I'm just one man who believes in what his parents taught him to be self-reliant, to fend for myself. Well, I've got a president, a black man. You heard me? A black man telling me that I shouldn't expect to fend for myself. I shouldn't expect to make my own rules and play by my own rules and do my own thing. That the government is here to do my thinking for me. That the government is here to take care of me. Make no mistake, folks. We made a serious mistake as a people, as a nation, putting this idiot in office. Let's rectify that mistake come this November. Let's get this clown out of office before he does any more damage. It's like putting a monkey with a wrench in a factory full of machinery. And that's and, and, and hey, the monkey reference, hey, there's no pun intended, there's no dis I'm not trying to call the president a monkey. I'm just saying. It's like putting an idiot in charge of nuclear weapons, which is what we pretty much did. Black folks, stop. Stop and think. The guy has gone off half-cocked with this whole uh, deal with... Uh... Let, me, let me calm down a minute. Let me gather myself. <laughs> let me just gather myself a minute here because I'm getting a little hot under the collar. Obama, take your ass back to Chicago or Angola or Nairobi or the moon, Krypton, Chicago, Hawaii, wherever the hell you're from. You have made history in saying that you believe in same-sex marriage. I hope that puts the nail in your political coffin. I hope this is the point where you have truly jumped the shark. 
black folks, please, I know you don't believe in this crap. Stop supporting this clown just because he happens to possess the same skin tone as you. He is not black. He is not an African American. He's not one of us. He's not even a damn American, for God's sake. Stop supporting this fool. Let him go. Admit that you made a mistake. Admit that you screwed up. And voted for this clown. Just because he possesses the same skin color as you. Once again, I'm sorry I missed my call. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. You guys are great. I really wish I could have gotten more into um, the Anthony Johnson story, but I think you got the picture. We started off pretty much early. We got into it a little bit. But, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back tomorrow night. I don't usually do shows on Friday, but I'm going to come back tomorrow night, and I'm going to finish it off. And maybe even this weekend. Because this is a story that needs to be told. We need to get this out there. This guy has made an ass out of the United States of America long enough. Even Vladimir Putin disrespected the president, called him out as the punk that he is, and told him, hey, you know that whole thing about coming out to Camp David? I know you switched the deal from where it was going to be to Camp David for me, but you know what? I can't make it. I can't make it. You know, you're... you're, you're I don't I don't I got folks over here who can bow down to me. I don't need the president of the United States embarrassing himself by bowing to me when I show up. Because that's all Obama would do. He's just gonna bow down to Vladimir Putin, who happens to be a real man. Vladimir Putin, for all his communism and all his ruthlessness, I can that's a man I can respect. Yeah, I'm saying it, I'm saying it right now. I can respect Vladimir Putin. I don't have to like him. I don't like the fact that he's a communist. I don't like the fact that he's ruthless and he'll kill his own mother probably. But a man, a real man, can respect another real man. But a real man can't respect a punk and a sissy like Barack Hussein Obama. Well, folks, we're out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. You guys are great. Hold on, hold on. I'm giving clowns a bad name. I can't, I can't stand clowns. I have clown phobia. Well, hey, you know what? I'm getting all kinds of texts and stuff here, and folks are calling me. But anyway, hey, <laughs> thank you guys for listening tonight. We're out of here, and... uh We'll see you later. Have a great night, and uh, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Oh, tune in to um, Southern Sense. GGT had a great show early today, 2020 Radio this weekend. Southern Sense is going to have a show tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Be there, be square. I'll be there. Have a great night, folks. We're out of here. Whoa, shake it out.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.